0: Hey guys, Lord Commander Ulrich here, popping in real quick to let you know this week's episode contains spoilers for the Horus Heresy book, The First Heretic. Just letting you know in case you don't want spoilers. Keep in mind these are mild spoilers, but we felt that we should let you know either way. Enjoy the episode. and welcome to geeks of grimdark your home for everything warhammer be they elves eldar space marines or stormcast we've got you covered i'm lord commander orc and with me as always is
1: his shield brother axel wright and orc just because (laughs) (laughs) yes yes orc 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 anyways
0: we get to do this fun podcast thanks to our patrons the people that give us money and in exchange for, you know, giving us money, we shout them out on the podcast, as well as a whole bunch of other content. So, as for the shouting out, they are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, 3D, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, and John Vinnels. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious lead, you can just head on over at patreon.com forward slash geekswithshields. For, it's not quite 25 cents an episode anymore, because we put out a lot of extra bonus content. You can, you know, give us... Whatever the math is, Axel will figure that out. And get access to all sorts of great content. I'm
1: trying to make me do math in my time off. I'm not <laughs> at
0: work, so... You like math. Anyways, welcoming to the show, our first international guest is... Leaky Cheese. Hello, guys.
2: And yes, Leaky Cheese, um, it's me. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me onto Geeks and Shields. It's a real honor to join you today. Well, thanks for agreeing to come on.
1: No, you're most welcome. So, do so, you
2: want me to? Would you like me to say, give you a little bit about why
1: I'm here? I'm not well, I'd say that. Places. I mean, it's perfectly plausible that we have listeners who uh, don't know who you are. So, yeah, give us like a general. You know, just give them like a general lowdown. So,
2: cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, well, uh, I'm Leaky Cheese. You, uh, you'll probably best know me. Or what I'm really here to talk about is my YouTube channel, which is called Leaky Cheese. Interestingly enough, um, and. <laughs> The main focus of my channel is games workshops, well, World's game, The Horus Heresy, The Age of Darkness. And I also make content around, I've done quite a lot of content on the series that I call Retro Hammer, where I look back at stuff from the early days of Warhammer 40,000. So I'm, I'm a little bit older than you guys, I imagine. And kind of like going back to my childhood in the late 80s when it all started with 40k
0: oh, they're really weird kind of out there stuff before they had rules or general concept <laughs> of what they wanted to do with this. Oh, <laughs> you,
2: yeah, it, it was wild back then.
0: So I've been told. I, I, I've looked back and gone, not my bag, but God damn, they had some creative ideas what they wanted to do.
2: It, yeah, they, it was, when I look back on it today and I compare the books of then, like Rogue Trader and Slaves to Darkness to the books of now, you could just see that they were like, Right. Let's just get a pot of ideas, throw them on the wall, and see what sticks. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean. And it's uh,
0: it's really funny to watch some of the stuff that has kind of lasted from the beginning. It's slowly been formed into, you know, fit the more modern stuff. And then Ooh. some of the stuff, it's like, yeah, we're not, we're we're not doing that. Let's leave that totally behind. And then you have stuff right smack dab in the middle, like the squats.
2: Oh, oh! Ooh, I think it's too soon to talk about the squats. <laughs> 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 Maybe. Oh, gosh, I remember the squats. I had a friend who collected a squat army. Yeah. Oh, they they had a lot of character and a lot of bikes as well.
1: Combat trikes. That was it. Yeah. (laughs) Combat trikes. I love it conceptually. Well, uh, sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just going to move on to something else. If you had more, continue.
2: So, yeah, I mean, and I suppose the other thing on my YouTube channel, a lot of it is focused around looking at models that that Ford Drawal produced for the heresy. And I do a lot of work a lot of content looking at those models and also demonstrating how to make them uh, and talking about, you know, working with resin kits as well, because I suppose a lot of people find resin models quite intimidating to work with if they've not the devil. Indeed. Yes. And um, I mean, I've, I've accrued quite a lot of experience. It seems over the last few years and, um, and I started making content and people started coming towards this and, and uh, I I kind of very flattered by people who they call me things like the resin whisperer now. So <laughs> um, <laughs> wonderful. So yeah, that, that, that's that's really very kind. But yeah, I mean, it, it, people seem to be really interested in this. And when you're looking at some of the big, really big models, they are yeah they are quite hard to do. And I, I suppose a lot of what it really underpins is I just like sharing my ideas and my experiences because yeah, you know, if I build a big complicated resin model from Forge World um i like have to do a lot of head scratching and trying to figure out how to do stuff and if i then make like a 20 30 minute video about it people can watch it and they go oh gosh yeah thanks i wrote um you know just make it easy for them
0: yeah because uh portable pretty notorious for one their instructions being terrible and two (laughs) being huge blocks of resin you have to chip away at
1: yeah, I was about to say. So, so that means that when I eventually get around getting my uh, my squig off, I'm gonna mean, come come bug you for tips. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm I'm a chapter bug.
2: Yeah. If you if you yeah, absolutely. The squig off's an incredible model. You know, it's um it, it's amazing, absolutely incredible. Um, All right. But yes, I do that, and occasionally I dip my toe I, I dip my toe a little bit into like 40k from time to time, and I also like sometimes talk a bit about maybe what you might call a little bit of gaming culture that's going on and um, mm. sometimes i'll just touch onto those things but only kind of like in terms of like how it's directly related to the games i'm interested in
1: yeah that's sensible well, so when with our guests in general, right? They have a, a specific army or faction or something like that that they uh, mm-hmm. they they bring to the, the table, as it were. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I already have it written in front of me, but just for audio purposes, what is the faction you're here primarily to talk about?
2: So, I am uh, the faction I've brought to the table, and indeed, some of them are actually on the table that I'm sat at at the moment. Are the word bearers? and very specifically, the last of the Serrated Sun, um, which is a force within, within their legion.
1: Serrated
0: so, Sun. I feel like our patrons are at least familiar with the uh, word bearers and the whole Horus Heresy because of our ongoing Horus Heresy book club. But For mm. people that only really know 40k, what is Horus Heresy in a nutshell?
2: So the Horus Heresy is an origin story to Warhammer 40,000. Um, you know, Warhammer 40,000, it's like one of the greatest space, you know, the most epic tales of science fiction uh, I've ever come across. And it's set in the 41st millennium. And it's basically kind of like around this, this desperate human empire. Um, and the reason this human empire, while it's massive and powerful, it's also incredibly rotten and and corrupt from within. The reason it's like that is because of this absolutely horrendous civil war that happened in its earlier, in its distant past. And that h- horrendous civil war was the Horus Heresy. And it happened 10,000 years before the 41st millennium. So it's set in the, yeah, in the 31st millennium. Yeah, so the Horus Heresy is, it is like this origin story of how Warhammer 40,000's empire came to be. I mean, I won't get into too much of this, because I could yeah. talk for, there's hours to talk, but... <laughs>
1: If, I would anyone, say that uh, if,
2: if, if if anyone's ever read Paradise Lost, it's an allegory, allegory to Paradise Lost is a horror story I think you could say.
1: And I would say that uh, depending on perspective, right? And, and again, I'm I'm relatively new to all this. Uh, I mean, I've only been involved in the lore for like four years, only been involved in the models for a few months at this point. But from uh, there is at least a certain perspective that can pin a lot of the blame for the Horus Heresy on the word bearers. So. Yeah, I am
0: curious. You chose, like, well, not the universally hated faction, but everyone hates Erebus. (laughs) And Erebus is of the word bearers. So why did you sit and go, I'm going to go with the one that even the bad guys hate?
2: That's a really good question, and I, I'd just like to reassure you and your viewers: it is in no way a reflection of me as a person. <laughs> um, I there's, I suppose, what really brought me onto it was reading one of the Black Library novels, which is called "The First Heretic." I
0: figure I knew it. Yeah, I, I, I knew the, there was a reason to follow Word bearers. It was that book.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And That's it's a really by, good.
0: Okay, it's yeah. a really good origin story.
2: It is. Yeah, and it's written by uh, Aaron Dembski-Bowden. It, it's a brill- it's a really good story, really good sci-fi story, but also and it's it is why I like it so much is it says how did you take these super duper loyal space and turn them into these absolute monsters? Yeah. Yeah, how how mm-hmm. does that happen and to craft a plausible story of how that happened. Um, is what the I mean, first heretic does really well,
1: and it's I just, mean not just super loyal, but heretical or not her. Sorry, zealotous is the the opposite of heretic. Mm, is what I was trying to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they are. Yeah, I mean, the, by the time of the heresy, the word bearers are, um, a, yeah, truly fanatical warrior zealot, terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And and they are the, you know, they are the archetypal traitors, um, and they are corrupted to chaos. Quite a long time before the Horus Heresy,
1: and uh, from the and from the top. In case it wasn't obvious, to anyone listening, mm. the uh, the word bearers are a a sect a sect of Space Marines. Just to be perfectly clear.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, they're they're one of the original twenty Space Marine legions.
1: I know that uh, within within the the books we've been reading right now. Um, not to shift focus, but. Uh, Horace referred to uh, Lorgar, their Primarch, as uh, possibly the most intelligent of the Primarchs. If he has other problems, but <laughs>
2: yeah, like his loyalty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's excuse me, and that's I suppose part of why he's so interesting. Lorgar, a lot of these stories around the Primarchs, are all tragedies in terms of how they came to be and how they get corrupted, and. Lorgars is particularly well, depending how charitable you look at it but in in some ways he should have been the most loyal of all the Primarch because the Emperor made him to be like um, almost to be like a
0: He's almost a like herald cool. almost for the Emperor because wasn't that their, their, their pre-discovery uh, name was like the Heralds of the Emperor
2: uh, oh, the, Imperial Heralds, oh, yeah, the Imperial Heralds yeah.
0: there we go
2: L- yeah that was the original name of the wordbearers' legion prior to Logas' rediscovery on Colchis
1: but yeah hey, like, I've, a, the... I've always been yeah I've always been of the opinion not to cut ahead. I want to keep where you're going, but I've always been in the opinion that uh, a lot of how the emperor handled the word bearers was was more the problem, but anyway, sorry, continue
2: <laughs> well, indeed, yes yeah, so the, yeah. Who, why did why did the emperor treat the the word bearers in the way he did? Um, you yeah, know, could have a long debate about that. Where was it? Where was it then? I think I went off a little bit on a tangent. Was right.
0: I... tangents are perfectly acceptable here.
2: That's thirty percent of the podcast. we're just kind of, of, yeah.
1: just like kind of talking tangents. about a, a top-level view of what the word bearers are. So,
2: yeah, so they were the first legion to turn to chaos, and they were corrupted long before the Horus Heresy started. And then they they sort of spend almost like forty years laying the groundwork for the heresy. Yeah. And, and spreading a te- like a like a network tendrils uh, of connections into the other legions to try subvert them, and but in amongst all this, Logar, who is their Primarch, a lot of he spends a lot of time, like almost in an academic sense, trying to figure out this thing about chaos and having fun in the Eye of Terror. But a lot of the treachery is actually done by Erebus and Corpheron as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this is, you know, why uh, Erebus is. Um, if you run a poll who was responsible for the Horus heresy and you stick Erebus <laughs> on it, he wins. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, like that's the like universal thing amongst the community. No one likes Erebus. It's, no. And it's a combination of things. That's the word I've heard. <laughs> no. He ruined the best boy, Horus, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we all loved Horus and he came along and ruined him for us. Absolutely, I think one yeah. of the
1: great things about that series so far is that uh, you could tell that the um, the buttons are already there. Erebus just knew how to press them in the right order. <laughs> so. Yes,
2: 100%. He did indeed. And there's there's a short story. I just forget his name now. Um, I do apologize to your audience, but there is a short story that deals with Erebus's origins.
0: Oh, I know that one vaguely. Yes. I don't remember what it's called, but I know which one you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and it's, it is really interesting because... A lot of the characters in Heresy have at least some good in them, at least, at least a bit. But they person, he, you know, if you were to classify <laughs> him as a, if you were to classify him as a person, he had lots of nasty personality traits and desires, and is a psychopath. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind of like yeah.
0: they it's just good. accepted that they can. There's no nothing they can do to make Erebus likable. Like they went, okay, Lorgar. Certain from a bad position, but we can do something with him. Erebus, <laughs> no, that's a teardown. He is just there's nothing. Let's just lean in and make him as despicable and unlikable as possible.
1: For the record, mm-hmm. I would also put Eidolon in that particular category, but <laughs>
0: Eidolon is just a fuckhead. Okay,
1: <laughs> Eidolon was Eidolon was just incredibly arrogant, wasn't he? Uh, yeah,
2: himself. Uh, He's just a
1: dickhead. <laughs> Anyway, but you specifically mentioned because again I, I've I've done a, a lot of research well, I've done my own personal like researching on Lorgar's story and a bit of like what went on with the word bearer, particularly the word bearer's interactions with the ultramarines, which is like, a lot of interesting stuff there. But I've never heard mm. of the uh the serrated sun before, okay. which you mentioned before.
2: So shall I talk a little bit about the serrated sun?
1: Yeah, because so, I have big ideas what that is.
2: So, okay. Well, look, I'll take us back to the first heretic. The a lot of the story of the first heretic follows a captain of the serrated sun chapter called Argol Tal, and the this kind of like, his unit are pivotal in the discovery of chaos, and uh, and they actually become the first, or some of them do anyway. They become the first possessed space marines, so they become like. Uh, yeah, this fusion of Space Marine and Demon, uh, which are called the Gal Vorbach and you know they kind of Lorgal In effect, he sacrifices them. He sends them off into the Eye of Terror to go find out some truth, but he is basically sacrificing them. And they come back, the survivors, which is less than half that go in. Uh, they come back as these Demon-possessed Marines, which then sort of slowly mature over the next four decades, and then they they kind of emerge. At the Battle of Isvan Five. Um, so yeah, and there's more of it. Do you, do you mind if I kind of like spoil the stories for your viewers, or would you rather I start no? With? We'll go yeah, ahead.
1: Geek, Geeks of Grimdark is a is like a separate thing from our book club. There are kind of like two different shows we do, so it's fine. Hmm. talking. you can talk about pretty much whatever you want here, and we'll just put up a little thing saying like, "Hey, Horus Heresy spoilers here. Just be warned." It'll be fine.
2: Okay, right. So within the first heretic, the Argol Tal is in effect used by a demon. Him and some of his marines, when they get taken into the Eye of Terror, they are used by the demon to break the Fields in the Imperial labs where the Primarchs are being um, created. And by breaking the Gellif- um it basically allows the Chaos Gods to scatter the Primarch. So, there's this is a very, very strange and fascinating paradox time paradox story there but and it's yeah, to say <laughs> it, 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 but it's, it's like an absolute mind bender when you're trying to get your head around it that the primarchs were scattered by space marines of the word bearers under the influence of demons it's like woo yeah
0: you mess around with the warp time has no meaning
2: exactly yeah you can get away it's not like terminator it all gets very
1: confusing by sequel number five <laughs>
0: um, that's why we don't accept sequel number five <laughs> one and two <laughs>
1: I, I know, I I, I'm looking at the uh, the Forge World Gal Vorback models, and those look pretty awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, they are they are
2: they're incredible models, and and I suppose like leading this into why I chose to do do them as an army, the miniatures that Forge will do were a big pull on that, um, because for the uh, for this army the Gal Vorback are an integral part of it. We might say. And yeah, those models are incredible. A lot of people I know and talk to um, who are fans of the Heresy and people outside of it, if you ask them, what's your favourite World miniature, they'll say the Gal Warbach. I just forget the name of the sculpt now, but they're incredible miniatures. But yeah, but as the army, the army is called The Last of the Serrated Sun. And in, when you play Horus Heresy, you have like this basic, like the standard Space Marine army list or the Space Marine Legion army list which like, has all the vehicles and tanks and infantry you could possibly want. But then what you can do is you can add what's called a rite of war. And like the right of war is a bit like in 40K terms, um, I suppose it'd be like chapter tactics, a bit like that. Um, people who remember the confusing mess that was the end of 7th edition 40K, you, oh, might, yeah. <laughs> you might compare it to formations.
0: Oh, um, those lovely things.
2: But in, okay. a good way. In, in a good oh, way. Oh, in a good way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What it does, is it takes a, the basic Marine Legion list and then adapts it in certain ways. So the this particular one is unique to the word bearers, and it's called The Last of the Serrated Sun. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to take Galvor back as, like, your standard infantry, because normally they sit in the elite slot, and that means you can't get that many. Um, but in the Serrated Sun list, you know, you can have loads. But, <laughs>
0: That
2: sounds fair. Mm. And then just to make, just to buy it up even more, the Serrated Sun, their speciality was drop pod assault. So the army is in effect a deep striking demon-possessed base marine-focused army. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So it's, um, it's, it's really interesting, but it does tie into, when you read the first heretic, there are sections where it talks about them doing their drop pod assaults. And the... It's called the Last of the Serrated Sun because it's representing the Serrated Sun after the Battle of Istvan Five. Yeah,
1: I was about to say I- I'm reading here that uh, the Galvorback didn't um, didn't a lot of them didn't make it out of uh, Istvan, and that uh, the Chapter Master did some some other sh- made some new afterwards. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, now I'm a bit sad here.
2: I actually worked it out. <laughs> I worked it out. I think five Galvorback out of the original forty three survived. The Battle of Isfan 5. <laughs> um, yeah, including an Tal as well. But yes, and they kind of, they start creating new Galvo, back, although they're not quite as good as the originals, because the originals were like a okay, sort of, ooh, try this version out. But it's, you know, like a demonstrator car that's got absolutely every option on it. And then you actually order your real one and you can like think, oh, right, well, yeah, this hasn't got all the toys. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it says he made something called the the Jal.
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah, and the Jal are the successors to the Galvor back of the Serrated Sun, um, and they're they're kind of like I think the, in effect the possessed Space Marines of the Word Bearers for the remainder of the Heresy. The Sons of Horus have got their own, which I just forget the names off right now. But yeah, so that's kind of like the the thematic bit, the story behind the my choice of army, The Serrated sun.
1: That having like a, a novel be that... Well, isn't, actually, isn't that the case with you too, Auric? Didn't you say it was a specific novel that got you into Ultramarines?
0: Yeah, it was uh, Graham McNeil's, what was the book? Uh, the Killing Ground that got me Ultramarines. And that whole series is mm. like, oh, okay, these guys are really, really cool. I, I can I can dig this. And it's kind of uh, funny that uh, that's like the second army that uh, ADB has started, because I know there's a bunch of Spears of the Emperor too, floating around now because of him
1: Hmm. it is funny from what i've read um and you know listening to like content creators online the uh the ultramarines and the word bearers are in some respects considered mirrors of each other they're both the 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 most populous of the loyalists and and heretics and they have like depending on how you look at it i mean the whole well anyway so there's a lot of special details i don't need to go into there but i just kind of need to have that kind of i think you're the first guest we've had to talk about a specific um uh, chaos Space Marine group. And I think it's an interesting good uh, first one because they are just that, the first ones. So, Well,
2: absolutely. And it's also like one of those things I was like, well, if I'm going to do the bad guys, I may as well do it properly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they're also the... Uh, yeah, they're the Chaos Undivided uh, Space Marine chapter.
2: So Yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of like them as well because while they were evil and they turned to Chaos, they also keep their act together as a space marine legion they, they keep organized and they work as a space marine legion whereas when you look at the uh let's take the example of the world eaters they just they they just get more and more degenerate as it goes yeah, on.
1: Yeah, they shattered almost immediately. Well, they yeah. they barely had cohesion to begin with. But yeah, yeah from what yeah, from, yeah. From, from what I've read, right, like the uh, you know the Sons of Horus becoming the the Black Legion, like that took a long time to mm. to kind of get back to cohesion. But the the world, the, the Word Bearers, though, they kind of like after the Heresy, that you know they kind of like went into the Eye and they found like their planets and they kept everything. They, they as far as the other. Uh, Traitor chapters are concerned they kept everything pretty cohesive so
0: well even after they fell i mean you look at some of the other legions like when they fell it almost started falling apart immediately but they managed to keep it together and organize a huge you know almost galaxy-wide coup
2: they did yeah and this is this is all part of what makes them so interesting to me
0: you're making a strong case i'm not gonna lie i mean you still have the erebus factor but
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was actually <laughs> going to say about about characters. So this uh, this chapter master Argol Tall is he like?
0: Oh, Argol uh, Tall is awesome. Is, yeah, yeah.
1: Argol Tall
2: is he's Argol Tall is like the ultimate tragic hero in the. Well, he's not a hero, is he?
0: But. He really treads the line. He is very well yeah. in the community.
1: Well, here's the thing: hero means something very different in uh, the in the Warhammer thirty forty k kind of thing. Mm. I, I like the the thing I've been repeating that I didn't come up with, but is that everyone in the Warhammer universe is some flavor of evil? Like no one really is <laughs> is good. The closest is like the Salamanders, maybe. So so hero is a a much more subjective term.
2: Mm. Yes, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can. In amongst all the brutality, you can pick out some, can't you? I mean, like uh Gabby or and He he's a hero.
0: Um,
2: yeah. As is um ooh, Nathaniel Garrow? Garrow. Garrow. I mean, I think Garrow is a go-to, you know, name someone from the Horus Heresy who isn't a jerk. Most people would say Garrow. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: You know, so um, yeah. But um
1: but I was yeah, curious cool. though, but with a because I, I always I'm I'm drawn to don't get me wrong I like like armies that are you know like I mean orcs are my primary army they're a horde army so it's not yeah. but even within that I like having my like my gas cool and my named characters Mad Duck Rotsnik yeah. and stuff so I so I kind of gravitate towards that and so right now since you've been mentioning this serrated sun this chapter master Argol Tall seems like that's the big named guy in uh in reference to this so I'm just I'm more curious about about him and why he's this this kind of figure you're talking about.
2: He's yeah, well, I mean, Argilthar. Yeah, he was kind of like he's, he's, he's when they talk about this thing, the first heretic in that book. I think he, he's kind of making a, a reference almost to Argaltar. But yeah, he he goes he goes into the Eye of Terror um, at Lorgar's behest because he's serving his Primarch in a real, you know, in a, with true dedication and de- devotion. And then he, he gets possessed by this demon. and But in spite of that, he doesn't become a degenerate, you know, a complete degenerate monster. And like the story of, uh, what was she called? The saint. Um, uh, What was the name of the word? Bear a saint. I can't oh.
0: Um, um, um,
2: yeah, you know um, who I mean, don't you? We need to remember. I know exactly
0: who you mean, but there's so many names in my head rattling around. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> but, Hold on, I can get it.
2: Yeah, we need, we need this to proceed.
1: Her name is... It's not this Sirene Valentian, yes. is it? Yep, Sirene Valentian. Confessor okay. of the Word. I just typed yeah. in Wordbearer Saint and boom. <laughs>
2: <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, and he has this really close relationship with her. Even after he gets possessed and the, possess- the possession becomes manifest... Um, which is quite brief because of the turn of events and, uh, and the actions of a certain custodian shield captain. So, yeah, that just kind of adds to the complexity of him. Um, well, he
0: great insight into the whole traitor mindset. And, you know, oh, we're, we're they're the bad guys. They go with the demons. They go with the scary guys. But he is this guy It's like, well, my Primarch says this is the right thing, so I'm going to do it. And it's this, yeah. it's this really fascinating insight into that whole mindset because, you know, in the Horus Heresy, the first three books, it's about seeing, you know, from Logan's perspective and why you wouldn't, you know, go that way. So he kind of hmm. represents the opposite of, you know, what everyone else is going like. Well, the Primarch says so this is the right thing. I can't act against my Primarch, even if this is starting to get sketchy and questionable.
1: Yeah. And yeah, even, even, uh, yeah. even Primarch stuff aside and uh, I'm about to risk Inquisitors at my door. Uh, The the primordial truth is, like, I I remember reading this quote from Lorgar talking about, this is well after the the fall, uh, Lorgar talking about how he never set out to, you know, topple his father's empire, but he just wanted to find the truth. And the Mm -hmm. primordial truth is one of those things that's like, (laughs) regardless of whether the forces of chaos are, are better for your life, they exist, and saying they don't exist is itself a lie. So it I, I get the logic. So. Yeah.
2: And, and that's why, and, and that's, again, that just, it's, such a, it's such an interesting part of the story, isn't it? Because um, it's like, well, and I suppose like the word bearers are almost like a way about dealing with the primordial truth. So instead of trying to deny its existence and push it away, they embrace it, and they don't get destroyed. And it's like, ooh, that's a, that's a bit of a morally ambiguous situation to be in, isn't it? Um, but yeah, and then there's a, yeah, and it, it also taps into the whole, you know, what the emperor was really up to. Um,
0: yeah, because he, he designed them with that innate curiosity and that innate desire for knowledge, so he kind of put that in there. And I mean, we're not going to try and say the Emperor was perfect in his creations because Space <laughs> are is riddled with problems and oversights. <laughs> I don't remember who said the exact quote thing. But it was just imagine the Emperor as a coder developing his first video game, and that's the Space Marines. (laughs) Functionally, they work, but there are so many bugs and glitches in the code that he needed like three or four more iterations before it worked. (laughs) And that's why there's two missing Primarchs those are just dead ends of code. They just totally imploded. I mean, yeah. it's kind of
1: hard to look at the uh, the Blood Angels and the thirst and not think that there was a problem in the. <laughs> in the, in the cook he just process. couldn't get that bit of scrap
0: code out. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. It's done. Just launch.
1: Well, a uh, quick side note for anyone listening who doesn't know, um, the the Primordial Truth is literally just kind of like a a, a twist on. Because the imperial truth, right, is the thing that the emperor tried to spread—that there are no gods; it's just secularism. Yes. And the primordial yes. truth is essentially the idea that uh, no, that's not the case. There are gods, quote unquote. And there's actually a lot more to it, but it's just—it's an important like term to remember for anyone listening.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and the I, yeah, and the primordial truth is kind of like one of those statements. It depends where you stand, doesn't it? Because you got the, some people call it the primordial truth, other people call it the chaos gods you know, all the warp entities. And um, the thing is, the primordial truth is real in the world, universe of 40K and 30K. That is real, whereas the imperial truth is, it is fake. Yeah. The imperial truth was a uh, a system put in place to prevent, basically, the imperial citizens of, like, kind of like, asking questions and finding out about chaos. And the it's, emperor's uh... gal. The emperor's gamble. The emperor's gamble was that he was it would last long enough to allow him to build his imperial webway.
0: For so well, you know, a lie told often enough soon becomes a truth.
1: Yeah. That's that's why I always say, like, yeah. uh, you know, at risk of heresy, it's like that's about perspective. It, like at the end of the day, the the chaos or the, the um, you know the traitors quote unquote are uh, embracing what is actually true, and the loyalists are embracing a lie. I mean, I sisters are my other <laughs> army, so of course I'm going to have to have some flagellation for, for saying such heresy later. But point is, you got to accept that. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: yeah, and, but uh, and then that brings us into the one of the most delicious ironies of the whole heresy and imperium storyline is that uh, Logar wrote the Imperial Truth. In effect, you know, he wrote Letitio Divinitatis that became the bedrock of of the imperial cult.
1: And so, arguably the imperial cult is a big part of the reason why the uh the empire still exists 10,000 years later as many problems as it causes. <laughs>
0: it's a weird secular yeah, cycle yeah. in 40k when you look at it. Yeah. I mean so much of it is just circles within circles.
2: Yes, well the imperial the imperial cult in effect the worship of the emperor as a god that is what sustains the emperor. So yeah. without that, the Emperor would wither away and the Imperium, the Astronomicon would die and the Imperium would fall apart. And then, you know, it would be back to the, uh, the Dark Age again, wouldn't it? Or oh, the Age of Strife is what I meant. Yeah, but back to the Age of Strife.
1: So so out of curiosity, right, because the warp, is, you know, time is weird and people like Abaddon are, you know, spoiler, are still around. Is, is Argo Tall still around in the 40k verse?
2: Uh, well, massive spoiler alert, but no. Um, okay. I'm, I'm now gonna give you I'm now gonna give you like a chance to guess. Sorry, I don't who, need
1: I don't need details. I'll read the book eventually. I was just curious. <laughs> but a question,
2: right? Viewers at home, write down who you think was responsible for the end of Tal <laughs> <laughs> And think about who we've been talking about on this episode so far. But yeah. So yeah, that is fascinating. Um, well, are, are
1: the are the serrated sun still still around?
2: No, I
0: think uh oh gosh, now you're asking me. I don't
1: I don't know how they're
0: how see I don't know for how forty K Cast Marines are organized outside of loose war bands.
1: Well I know that's also one of those things where you know generally speaking like chapters don't go away and the universe is so big that you can just like say and you know nothing that as long as nothing directly contradicts it you're going to be fine i was just curious if there are stories of them in the 40k setting and it sounds Mm -hmm. like the answer that's probably no so
2: no, i don't think they are and and i think that again that's what
1: that this army title is
2: referring to the last of the serrated sun um you know they did they did kind of like through, basically through attrition, the last of them, you know, got worn away probably fairly early, early into the fairly early into the heresy. Uh, and they ceased to be, and they got replaced by other units.
0: And this is kind of representative of what happened, you know, when the legions switched to chaos. They A lot of them kind of lost that structure, some very quickly. I mean, the Warburgers do manage to keep it together as a legion, but even then, you know, in 40k, you have the whole sundering where everyone just kind of made a run for it
1: and broke well, up into
0: different chunks
1: it, it doesn't help that lorgar's been meditating in a room on a planet for like thousands of years <laughs> so. yeah they
0: don't know what to do with lorgar like, like 40k is very much i we they got nothing like they, they don't really know what to do with him
1: like he fought with corvus at some point and that's the only thing he's done recently so yeah that
0: was just i think that i just interpreted as like hey guys he he's still around he's not doing much but he's here
1: so i do on a more like um Literal, well, I don't know what the right word is. Let's go a specific level. Uh, since you've been, you said you've been doing this for a while, obviously. What does your um, last of the and army look like? What's your actual collection? Like, uh, how, how big is it? How big is it? Oh, right. So, well,
2: it's, it's not it's a project in progress. So, it in terms of an army, it's probably in the region of around four to four and a half thousand points. So, it's a, you know. Yeah, you know, for one game, it would be a big army. Um, and then for playing smaller games, it's got plenty of variety. Um, in terms of what units I've got, well, I've got 10 Galvaal back, um, which is, you know, that's like the core. Um, I've then got 30 tactical marines uh, who are in three squads of 10. So those are like my, for 30k, you need certain troops that can seize objectives. So they do that. I've then got 10 more space marines, which are called a tactical support squad. And they're armed with plasma guns. In the Heresy, what you have in the main for support squads, all the Marines are armed with like a heavy weapon or like a plasma gun or a flammer, um, a bit more like you know, like in uh, with Primaris units. Uh, if you look at the Hellblaster squads, they've all got those plasma rifle things, haven't they? Hellblasters. Yeah, it is
0: interesting to see that yeah. they're taking a lot of inspiration from the 30k stuff for the newer 40k yeah, things. They did, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and that. That bit of 40k at the moment,
2: the hellblasters, and we're about to see something new, aren't we? in Ninth edition with those guys with the melter guns or the super melter guns. Oh, know, the, melter, the rifles. melter rifles.
1: <laughs> I've got, I've got a buddy who plays salamanders, and I'm not looking forward to, to dealing with that. <laughs> well, yeah, I've
2: seen the stats on those, and they look monstrous. Assault multi melters is basically the order of the day. It seems to be. Yeah, those are those are bad assays. The, so yeah, I'm so, saying so. Yeah, I got ten guys with plasma guns. So that's like my infantry core. Then I've got, like in my elite section, I've got 10 Terminators who are wearing what's called cataphracty Terminator armor. So that's like, a, that's like the heaviest protection Terminator armor. I've then got, I've then got some land speeders, so just ye oldy land speeders um, armed with a variety of Volkite weapons and graviton guns. So I've got four of those at the moment. And for leaders, I've got Erebus, I've got Corfear on. Uh, I've also got a warmonger, which is a type of specialized captain, you might say. Uh-huh. And you can what I what I do is I attach him to the Terminator squad, and that allows him to deep strike into battle. Because everything in this army has to deep strike if it's infantry. So uh yeah, I think that's most of the infantry. Oh, I've also got 10. 10 destroyer marines and destroyer marines are kind of like armed with all the really nasty weapons. Mm. Um, so they have rad grenades and what's called phosphex launchers. And phosphex is like this, um, well, it's supposed to be like phosphorus, isn't it? But it's worse, it's like this. Uh, they're kind oh of, no,
0: yeah, it's phosphorus in the 40k, of course, it's worse. <laughs> yeah, well, Yeah.
2: absolutely. Everything's always uh, always turned up to 11 in 40k. So I've got 10 of those guys who are so they're kind of like good for close in work. Now then, because I was going with the serrated sun and this idea of uh, drop assault, I wanted to make everything drop assault, uh, as if it's just like, literally, you know, spa- you know spacecraft, you know, their uh, frigate or whatever it is, their battle barge arrives, and then they all come down from orbit. Uh-huh. Um, so I decided I wasn't going to put any tanks in, but for heavy support, I was going to use dreadnoughts. Walkers. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I've put three dreadnoughts in for my heavy support so i've got uh, a leviathan dreadnought um uh, which is you know like the close assault siege dreadnought in a mm. drop pod oh
0: man oh
2: yeah and he's got a he's got a melt lance and a one of a, a siege uh not siege core yeah siege core yeah siege core so he's you know those things are just really brutal they're really good at what they do um i then got a De- Radio dreadnought or a deradeo dreadnought to pronounce it um, a weird shape. The boat dreadnought, yeah. The yes. boat dreadnought. Wow, okay. I at, they, that. They,
0: they, yeah, they, they have a weird kind of. The one dreadnought I don't like.
2: You don't like it? Oh.
0: It's too rhombular. It's got a weird shape and it doesn't make sense to me with the tiny head and the big chest.
2: <laughs> well, all right, I'll give you the history on that because i uh, I know where it comes from. The. The Radio Dreadnought was based on the Chaos Dreadnought from a game that was published back around, uh, I think it was 1990, 1991, called Space Crusade. (laughs) Um, And the guy who designed the Radio, which is uh, one of the Forgeworld World sculptors called Will Hayes, he based the Radio on this Chaos Dreadnought loosely. And I think that's some of where it's slightly unusual styling originates to
0: that makes a degree of sense and again we keep talking about warhammer kind of draws back on itself a lot
1: mm. so yeah. so out at, of at a, at a curiosity you said that this is uh, this army's a work in progress um how much of it's painted
2: <laughs> how much of it's painted so the back are painted if you go if you go hunting around on twitter you might find um you might find some Galvor backs. have I don't get time to paint, so I get people to, you know, do the commission work for me. So they were painted by a painter called Bees, and she did an absolutely stunning job with them. Uh, so they're done. I've got 10 destroyer marines who have painted, and those were painted by a, a mate of mine who's also on Twitter called Office Painter. So he's worth checking out. So he does a lot of heresy stuff. Um, I then got, if I can say his name, Erebus and Corpheron um those are painted by a commission painter called heretic deb again you'll find her on twitter i think all these people you'll find them on instagram
1: as well and, yeah i was just curious because yeah. uh, i'm i'm painting my first set right now and it is a uh i don't know what the right arduous is too like strong a word because i like doing it but it's definitely taking me a long time
2: so it does yeah it, it does it takes a long time yeah and and i find it depends what you enjoy doing and I mean I like to put a lot of time and effort into the modeling side of them and I find by the time I've done that it's like Ugh. I you know and and I'm I'm not a bad minute well I'm okay I think I'm all right yeah. but I'm very I think I'm quite slow so I just kind of like decided well it would be make more sense if I focus on doing the modeling side of it I'll get some people who enjoy it a lot more than I do and are a lot better at it than I do to um to paint them So the three dreadnoughts were off with, and you may have heard of these, if you know about the heresy with little legend painting studio, and he's really well known for his heresy work. I mean, he's uh, the standard of his painting is absolutely exceptional. Um, So the dreadnoughts with them, uh, with him. Uh, Yeah. And then, so I'll be, I'll be lining up a few more as I go.
1: So, uh, all right, so I got another curious question. So from what I can tell from the notes and the kind of conversation, your, your focus is uh, 30K in general. Yeah. And I'm guessing that that seems to be because the Serrated Suns kind of exist – <laughs> in thirty K. But mm. your your army with the the word bearers is definitely a uh, one that is not just exists but is prominent in forty K. So I was just wondering if there's any other particular reason that draws you to the the, the like the heresy setting specifically over like the, the quote unquote standard setting.
2: Yeah, okay. Um that's a really good question though. Um it goes back to the early days of forty K and the style of game I think back in the early days of 40k the original space marine army i played me and my mates we played it to death and there was the space marine army which i think was in white Dwarf, white dwarf 105 if i remember rightly and then there were the army lists for the chaos space marine legions in the book slaves to darkness and they did the world eaters the Black Legion, and the Emperor's Children, and actually the first Grey Knights list back in
1: 1988.
2: Huh. Um, and we played this loads and loads. The, and the Heresy, I mean, the Heresy is great in itself, I think, as a, just a setting and a product, but there's an off, it plays a lot of notes of the early, this early era of 40K. And nice. to, to me, who played it back then, it, it really resonates strongly. And I suppose the other thing, it's kind of like a slightly different style of 40K as well. 40K, like mainstream 40K, it has a, a more of a fantastical element to it, I think. It's a bit more, a little bit more fantasy, I think, in terms of style of the models. Mm. Whereas a heresy taps in more to sort of military modeling themes.
0: Um, a lot more hard edges on the models. Mm, there's not as much like 40k has got a lot of smooth edges heresy is very sharp edges and it also i do like that the models feel like older versions of what you see in 40k they've done a great job of modeling them that way yeah
1: yeah you know from from a lore perspective that kind of makes sense because in my mind right it's like 30k was um not necessarily the height of of mankind, because you're right—the golden age technology, the dark age technology—but but the emperor at the the height of the crusade, and like that's when everything was. Like the space marines behave like space marines are supposed to. And <laughs> you know, and, and so everything was kind of uh, clean. But, you know, 10,000 years later, after 10,000 years of stagnation and decay and information changing and stories changing and the ecclesiarchy existing, then, uh, you know, things change and you get yeah. kind of yeah, that, you don't, what you're talking about. So
2: Yeah, yeah, you don't have like all the all – the, they're not – the space marines of 30K don't have all – All the sort of like school iconography in the same way they're doing 40K. They don't they don't have a lot of heraldry around them. The same they they they're much more utilitarian in their look, and that's kind of like part of the theme. I just actually I would like to recommend a video to your viewers if they are interested in the like the look of 30K and the Horus Heresy. And there's a channel that's called The Race for Terror and last month he made he published a video which is um i think it's entitled is it titled something like the painting style of the horus heresy and he re- it's a really well produced video and he put quite a lot of time and effort into researching it and the guy who was really kind of like behind this, the guy called Phil Stokinkus. If I and I think I might have mispronounced his name there, so apologies, Phil. But he came from a military modelling background and he was a really good one. Like he was like a proper high-level tournament winner for modelling. But Forge World hired him, and he, along with some, you know some other people as well, but he was a strong uh, influence in sort of like shaping the look of Forge World. And, in, and and that flows into the heresy today so yeah the race for terror well worth checking that out on youtube
1: yeah i just uh, just found it and he's got he's got quite a few it's top one how to how to do weathering on a lehman rust tank
2: <laughs> mm, yeah absolutely yeah i think he just published that today yeah yeah he's a no uh, yeah, definitely
1: all right so i think the last question
0: before we kind of wrap up is what do you make of the fact that Lorgar is kind of secondary to his own story? At least when when people talk about word bearers, there's so many characters that get mentioned before they get to Lorgar. And I've always thought that's kind of interesting. It's like the Primarch is one of the least talked about characters in his own Legion. And I suppose that's
2: that's kind of part of the tragedy of Lorgar,
0: isn't it? Isn't yeah it? like um, he really is kind of he is the one that was not really of all the uh, Primarchs he was the least suited for his job like he yes. didn't want to wage war that was not his bag
2: absolutely I mean there,
0: there's some parallels
2: with perturabo I mean perturabo didn't want to wage war at all perturabo
0: is fascinating yeah
2: and uh, yeah perturabo brilliant Primarch isn't he but Logar there's a there's an element of the run to the litter to Logar
0: mm-hmm Very
2: much Um, so, you know, and and I suppose then you could say, well, there's this. I don't know. Is it kind of like saying that he was a left out son, and because his father not only was the weakest, not only was he the weakest of the Primarchs, so he kind of like felt like just like that little step down, that tiny little step down, but he knew wasn't quite the same level as they were. And then the fact that the emperor pushed him away and said, Look, just stop building these palaces and get conquering. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you go. That's the um, that's that's yeah, that's a bit of a, a summary of a major event in the story. But um, that rejection of what he who he was by his father pushes him down that path. But yeah, and as you say, Erebus and Corpheron. In many ways, have more than a role in planning the heresy than Morgar. So yeah, he's um, yeah, very tragic figure. In oh uh, well, yeah, he, he's a tragic figure, but goodness me, he caused a lot of trouble.
1: <laughs> you yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do you after after talking with us for um, do you have any concluding thoughts on the the word bearers and maybe specifically the serrated sun?
2: Ooh, um, any concluding thoughts? I think. I think for me, it's like the the ultimate example of where you can have a novel flow into a tabletop game. I think that's that's how I'd sum it up. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever collected an army that's quite felt this way, and I've done quite a few, but yeah, the, the word bearers is absolutely for me, it feels like it's bursting with character, and that all
1: goes back to the book. Hey, hey, Ulrich. When are we going to get to first Heretic?
0: Ah, oh, that's a ways down the line, book wise, but it's a really, really good one.
1: All right. Well, then, in that case, that brings us to the time where we uh, we give you a you know a special soapbox that you can get on and you can plug anything you want to plug. Okay. Well, I suppose.
2: Well, I've already called out a few painters. Um, and Race for Terror, his channel, yeah. Office Painter, Bees, Heretic Dad, uh, Little Legend Painting Studio. My YouTube channel is Leaky Cheese on YouTube. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Leaky underscore Cheese, and I'm the real Leaky Cheese on Instagram. Although I'm not so active there, but occasionally I do put up stuff. I try to. When you've got Twitter and Instagram, it's difficult to draw a line between the two. So when I when the idea hits me and I come with something a bit different, I do put it on Instagram. But yeah, there you go. And thank you.
1: All right, well, thank you again for coming on and talking with us. So I always love learning new things and I always love talking for uh, Warhammer. So
2: (laughs) It's a great topic, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, all right. Uh, Ulrich, you want to take us to our outro? Yeah, we'd like to thank you
0: again for listening and remind you to like, share, subscribe, do all those things because this is a test run for this podcast and the only way we're going to know if we should make a season two is if we see the numbers reflected in the views. And the best way to do that sharing, sharing with friends, talking about us, stuff like that.
1: And we are currently on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Presumably, you are currently listening to us on one of those platforms. And if, there's, if, that, if doing that was a bit of a chore for you, if there's a different platform that you think would be easier, tell us what it is, and we'll look into it.
0: As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Until next time, may the dice roll in your favor.